Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. by a thousand men desired by one woman the third man hanging is too good for him nothing is too good for the third man her man was the third man the man on every woman's lips Vienna, 1950, a city fearful of its present, uncertain of its future. Vienna, the once gay capital of a light-hearted people. Here in the shadows of its palaces and ruins is told with tenderness, drama, and suspense. The story of the third man. There was a third man there. I suppose that doesn't sound peculiar to you. I'm not interested in whether a racketeer like Lyme was killed by his friends or by an accident. The only important thing is that he's dead. Third Man, the story of two men and one woman caught in the dangerous web of an international love affair. Oh, please, for heaven's sake, stop making him in your image. Harry was real. He wasn't just your friend and my lover. No, I don't know. I'm just a hack writer who drinks too much and... Falls in love with girls. You? Me? Don't be such a fool, of course. The Third Man. Joseph Cotton in his most successful performance. As an American caught in a whirlpool of continental intrigue. The glamorous valley is the mysterious Viennese actress who knew the secret of The Third Man. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie The Third Man from 1949. The studio was London Films. The release date was September 1st, 1949, but that was in the UK. It wasn't released in the US until February 2nd, 1950. The running time, 108 minutes, and it was in black and white. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guy gives it four out of four stars. He writes Graham Greene's account of the mysterious Harry Lyme, played by Orson Welles, in post-World War II Vienna is a bona fide classic, with pulp writer Joseph Cotton on a manhunt for Harry. Now, I really started to get into film noir in my freshman year of college after taking a film appreciation class during the summer of my first year. On the short list of films to see in the film noir genre was The Third Man, and it doesn't disappoint. Film buffs and those that really hone in on the cinematography absolutely adore this film. Alright, let's get into the making of the film. So novelist Graham Greene was tasked in 1948 by producer Sir Alexander Corda to write a story about the occupation of a post-war city. Green wrote the story in two months, which would become The Third Man. If you listen to the episode I did on the 1944 film The Ministry of Fear with Ray Moland, I covered Green's early career as he wrote the screenplay to that film. 
Corda's influence was great as Hollywood producer David O. Selznick agreed to be a partner in the production of the film and took on half of the financial burden as well. Director Carol Reed was chosen because he had come off a successful film called The Fallen Idol, which was also written by Graham Greene. Interestingly enough, one of the main points of contention between Corda and Selznick was the casting of Orson Welles. Reed believed Welles was perfect for the Harry Lime role, but Selznick believed that Welles was box office poison at the time. Wells was not easy to work with, according to the producers, because Wells always believed things had to be done his own way. Wells's career began with a bang in the 1930s, as he was the original voice of the hit radio program The Shadow, but it was 1941 Citizen Kane that made the 26-year-old Wells a superstar. However, it was also said to have been the beginning of his demise, as the accolades went to his already large ego along with the fact that the William Randolph Hearst family did their best to ruin his career, as Kane was definitely inspired on the life of Hearst. Carol Reed originally wanted to cast James Stewart in the Holly Martin's role, but Selznick wanted Joseph Cotton, and Reed reluctantly accepted. As great as Stewart was, Cotton was terrific in this role. Cotton's best-known roles prior to The Third Man included Citizen Kane, The Magnificent Amberson, both with Wells, Shadow of a Doubt, Gaslight, Since He Went Away, Duel in the Sun, and Portrait of Jeannie. As for Italian actress Alita Valley, this was never a point of contention as Selznick wanted a chance to showcase the actress who was under contract for him. True to form, Wells did not arrive on the day agreed upon, and when he finally did arrive in Vienna, he complained about the conditions he was expected to work under. He worked on the film for a week, and that was it. There was a slight difference between the original British release and the American release of the film. In the British version, the unknown narrator in the beginning was the voice of director Carol Reed. For the American version, producer David O. Selznick had Joseph Cotton recreate the narration, which eliminated the racketeering angle that Reed originally had put in. The U.S. version of the film also cut almost 11 minutes of the original film and portrayed Holly Martins in more of a positive light. Now, I definitely prefer the original British version, and that is what everyone should view, in my opinion. And the Criterion Company has the original version for you to see, which is what I own. Okay, let's get into the film. So, it takes place in Vienna, Austria, post-World War II. The film opens with a theme song by Anton Karas, which became very popular for the time internationally. You will hear the theme often and in the next clip. After the initial theme, we hear a narration introducing the place and the players. I never knew the old Vienna before the war with its Strauss music, its glamour and easy charm. Constantinople suited me better. I really got to know it in the classic period of the black market. We'd run anything if people wanted it enough and had the money to pay. Of course, a situation like that does tempt amateurs, but, well, they, you know, they can't stay the course like a professional. Now, the city, it's divided into four zones, you know, each occupied by a power, the American, the British, the Russian, and the French. But the center of the city, that's international, policed by an international patrol, one member of each of the four powers. Wonderful. What a hope they had, all strangers to the place, and none of them could speak the same language, except a sort of smattering of German. Good fellows on the whole did their best, you know. Vienna doesn't really look any worse than a lot of other European cities. Bombed about a bit. Oh, I was going to tell you, wait, I was going to tell you about Holly Martins, an American, came all the way here to visit a friend of his. The name was Lime, Harry Lime. Now, Martins was broke and Lime had offered him some sort, I don't know, some sort of a job. Anyway, there he was, poor chap. Happy as a lark and without a cent. 
board, please. Oh. What's the purpose of your visit here? A friend of mine offered me a job here. Where are you staying? With him. 15 stiff gossip. His name? Lime, Harry Lime. Okay. Thought he'd be here to meet me. Da werden Sie kein Glück haben, mein lieber Herr. Sie kommen um zehn Minuten zu spät. Da ist niemand mehr hier. Die Leute umsonst. Speak English? English? Äh, naja, little. Little. Sie kommen um zehn Minuten zu spät. Äh, ten minutes too late. Already gone. Who? Oh. Ähm, his friends and the, uh, no, uh, coffin. Coffin? Mr. Limes, an accident, knocked over by a car. He in front of the house. I've seen it myself. Killed at once, immediately. Already in hell. Or in, in heaven. Sorry for the grave diggers. Hard work. It is frost. Writer Holly Martins, played by Joseph Cotton, speaks briefly to Major Calloway, played by Trevor Howard, at the end of the last clip. Holly discovers that his friend, Harry Lyme, who was sent for him, was killed in an accident, and Holly catches the end of the funeral being held at the cemetery. Calloway gives Holly a lift to town from the cemetery. Calloway is part of the British Royal Military Police. I guess nobody knew Harry like he did, like I did. How long ago? Back in school. It's never so lonesome in my life till he showed up. When did you see him last? September 39. When the business started? Mm-hmm. See much of him before that? Once in a while. Best friend I ever had. That sounds like a cheap novelette. I write cheap novelettes. I'm afraid I've never heard of you. What's your name again? Holly Martins. No, sorry. You ever hear of the Lone Rider of Santa Fe? Can't say that I have. Death of Double Eggs Ranch? Uh, Ranch. Nope. Uh, you must have known I was broke. You even sent me an airplane ticket. It's a shame. What? Him dying like that. Best thing that ever happened to him. What are you trying to say? He was about the worst racketeer that ever made a dirty living in this city. Policeman, huh? Come on. Have another drink. Oh. I never did like policemen. I have to call them sheriff. Ever seen one? Pin it on a dead man. Some petty racket with gasoline or something. Just like a cop. You're a real cop, I suppose. It wasn't petrol. So it wasn't petrol. So it was tires or saccharin or... Why don't you catch a few murderers for a change? Well, you could say that murder was part of his racket. It's all right, Payne. He's only a scribbler with too much drink in him. 
take Mr. Holly Martin home. Holly Martin, sir? The, uh, the writer? The author of Death at Double X Rod? Listen, Callahan. Callaway, I'm English, not Irish. If you're not going to close your files at a dead man's expense. So you're going to find me the real criminal. Sounds like one of your stories. When I'm finished with you, you'll leave Vienna, you look so silly. Here's some army money. Should see you through tonight at Sarkis Hotel if you don't drink too much in the bar. We'll keep a seat for you on tomorrow's plane. Please be careful, sir. <coughs> Written anything lately? Take him to Sarkis. Don't hit him again if he behaves. And you go carefully there. It's a military hotel. I'm so glad to have met you, sir. I've read quite a few of your books. I like a good western. Sergeant Payne, who is with Callaway, takes Holly to a hotel to sleep off his bender after learning of his friend Harry Lyme's death, along with the information that Harry was a racketeer. Holly gets a phone call at the hotel front desk from a man named Baron Kurtz, saying he was a close friend and has information about the death of Harry Lyme. We came out of his place like this, and we are walking this way. A friend of his called to him from over there. Harry went across, and from up there came the truck. It was just about here. Here? Yes. His friend and I picked him up, carried him across, over here. It was a terrible thing. Terrible. We laid him down just about here. And this is where he died. Even at the end, his thoughts were of you. What did he say? I can't remember the exact words, Holly. I may call you Holly, mayn't I? He always called you that to us. He was anxious I should look after you when you arrived, to see that you got safely home, tickets, you know, and all that. But he said he died instantaneously. Well, he died before the ambulance could reach us. Well, there was only you and this, uh, this friend of his. Uh, who was he? A Romanian, Mr. Popescu. I'd like to talk to him. He has left Vienna. Excuse me. Yes? Did you know Mr. Lime well? Mr. Lime? Yes. Oh, you remember me up upstairs? Yes, uh, I remember you. Well, who used to visit Mr. Lime? Visit. Uh, um. Was will er wissen? Er will wissen, wer hier verkehrt hat. Ach so. Ja, es kommen so viele Leute her. Sie waren da, da der Popescu und... Ich kann nicht alle kennen. What did he say? He says uh, he doesn't know everybody. Yeah. Karl, kannst du einen Moment hereinkommen? Moment, ja. Schauen Sie, ich bin... Ein du musst ans Telefon. Excuse me. Who was at the funeral beside you? Only his doctor, Dr. Winkel. Wasn't there a girl there? Some girl of the Josefstadt Theater. <laughs> you know what Harry was. Uh, you oughtn't to speak to her. It would only cause her pain. Not necessarily. She'd probably want to help. What's the good of another postmortem? Suppose you dig up something, well, discreditable to Harry. Would you give me your address? I live in the Russian sector. But you'll find me at the Casanova Club every night. One has to work the best way one can, you know. What's the name of this girl? I don't know. I don't think I ever heard it. You did mention the theater. Josefstadt. 
but I still think it won't do Harry any good. You do better to think of yourself. I'll be all right. Of course. I'm so glad I've met you. A master of suspense. Such a good cover, I think. Now, the Baron seems like a shady character, and Holly isn't convinced Harry's death was really an accident, along with the mystery of the dealings that Harry was involved in. The apartment handyman and his wife seem hesitant to answer any of Holly's questions. Holly decides to stay in Vienna a little bit longer to investigate the death of his friend. However, everyone is pushing for him to return back to America. Holly, that night, goes to the theater to talk to the woman he saw at Harry's funeral. Her name is Anna Schmidt, played by Alita Valley, and she's also a stage actress. I'm so sorry, I didn't notice much. You were in love with him, weren't you? I don't know. How can you know a thing like that afterwards? I don't know anything anymore except I want to be dead too. Some more tea? No, no tea. Would you like a cigarette? Oh, American, thank you, I like them. I was talking to another friend of Harry's, uh, Baron Kurtz. Do you know him? No. He's got a little dog. Oh, yes, yes. Don't understand what Harry saw in a fellow like that. That was the man who brought me some money when Harry died. He said Harry had been anxious at the last moment. Yeah. He said he remembered me, too. Seems to show he wasn't in much pain. Dr. Winkle told me that. 
Dr. Winkle, who's he? A doctor here he used to go to. He was passing just after it happened. His own doctor? Yes. Well, were you at the inquest? Yes. They said it wasn't the driver's fault. Harry had often said what a careful driver he was. He was Harry's driver? Mm-hmm. Well, what? Uh, I don't get it. All of them there. Kurtz, this uh, Romanian uh, Papesco, his own uh, driver knocking him over, his own doctor just passing by. No strangers there at all. I know. I wondered about it a hundred times, if it really was an accident. Aha! To Anna, it was a passing remark. But this is a red flag to Holly, who believes that Harry's accident had too many coincidences to be a true accident. Holly believes there is some sort of cover-up going on, especially when he tries to question the handyman again, who gets angry with Holly's persistent questions about what he saw from the accident. You shouldn't get mixed up in this. Well, if I do find out something, can I look you up again? Why don't you leave this town? Go home. What the devil? Getting around, Martins? Oh, pinning things on girls now. Miss Schmidt, I should like to see your papers, please. Don't you give him anything? Thank you. You were born in Graz of Austrian parents? Yes. Pen. How much did you pay for this? I'm afraid I shall have to keep this for a while, Miss Schmidt. How do you expect her to live in the city without her papers? Write her out a receipt, Payne, and give her a receipt of those letters, too. This way, Miss. I suppose it wouldn't interest you to know that Harry Lyme was murdered. You're too busy. You haven't even bothered to get the complete evidence. Must you take those? They'll be returned, miss. They're private letters. That's all right, miss. Don't worry. We're used to it. Like doctors. There was a third man there. I suppose that doesn't sound peculiar to you. I'm not interested in whether a racketeer like Lyme was killed by his friends or by an accident. The only important thing is that he's dead. I'm sorry. Tactful, too, aren't we, Callahan? Callaway. Must you take those letters? Yes, I'm afraid, sir. They're Harry's. That's the reason. You won't learn anything from them. They're only love letters. There are not many of them. 
They'll be returned to you, Miss Schmidt, as soon as they've been examined. There's nothing in them. Harry never did anything. Only a small thing once out of kindness. And what was that? You got it in your hand. Major Calloway. Finished? Yes. Okay. You will have to come with us, Miss Schmidt. You're not locking her up. Go home, Martin's like a sensible chap. You don't know what you're mixing in. Get the next plane. As soon as I get to the bottom of this, I'll get the next plane. Death's at the bottom of everything, Martin's. Leave death to the professional. Mind if I use that line, my next western? You can't chuck me out. My papers are in order. Let me miss. You want a seat for the letters? I don't want it. Well, I've got it when you want it, miss. Anything really wrong with your papers? They're forged. Mm. Why? The Russians would claim me. I come from Czechoslovakia. As you heard from the last clip, the title of the film comes into play as a quote-unquote a third man was there. Anna is taken into custody as her papers were forged due to her being Russian. While Anna is in custody, Holly visits Dr. Winkle, whom Harry would visit for medical advice. Holly asks about the accident, but the doctor is evasive, saying that he wasn't there. Holly point-blank asks if it's possible that Harry was intentionally killed. The doctor says he couldn't be very sure in a very stern but matter-of-fact tone. Anna is able to leave custody, but the police keep her forged passport. Holly meets Anna at a nightclub where Baron and Popescu happen to be. Popescu was supposedly the other man to help Baron carry Harry off after the accident. Holly insists there was a third man who helped carry Harry's body away. Popescu denies that there was a third man. The handyman agrees to discuss more of what he knows about the accident to Holly. When Holly and Anna arrive at the apartment, there is a crowd at the front door. The handyman has been killed. When Holly asks questions, the crowd believes that Holly was the one to kill the handyman because a little boy recognized Holly from the day before. Holly and Anna run away from the crowd and go to a movie theater to hide out. Holly decides that he needs to talk to Calloway, but ends up getting kidnapped of sorts by a taxi driver. But he's taken to a book club as a special guest speaker, run by a man named Crabbin, whom he met at his hotel. Unprepared, the audience isn't impressed with Holly, and many leave. The event is sabotaged by Popescu and his henchmen looking to capture Holly. Holly is chased by the men on foot through the Vienna streets, and he escapes. He then visits Calloway and gets a down low about Harry Lyme. I told you to go away, Martins. This isn't Santa Fe. I'm not a sheriff and you aren't a cowboy. You've been blundering around with the worst bunch of racketeers in Vienna, your precious Harry's friends, and now you're wanted for murder. Put out drunk and disorderly, too. I have. What's the matter with your hand? Parrot bit me. Oh, stop behaving like a fool, Martins. I'm only a little fool. I'm an amateur at it. You're a professional. Been shaking your cap and bells all over town. Payne, get me the Harry Lime file and get Mr. Martins a large whiskey. I don't need your drinks, Calloway. You will. I don't want another murder in this case, and you were born to be murdered, so you're going to hear the facts. You haven't told me a single one yet. You ever heard of penicillin? Well? In Vienna, there hasn't been enough penicillin to go round, so a nice trade started here. Stealing penicillin from the military hospitals, diluting it to make it go further, and selling it to patients. Do you see what that means? Are you too busy chasing a few tubes of penicillin to investigate a murder? These were murders. Men with gangrened legs, women in childbirth, and there were children too. 
They used some of this diluted penicillin against meningitis. The lucky children died. The unlucky ones went off their heads. You can see them now in the mental ward. That was the racket Harry Lyme organized. Calloway, you haven't shown me one shred of evidence. We're just coming to that. Payne, Magic Lantern Show. Very good, sir. You know, Payne's one of your devoted readers. He's promised to lend me one of your books. Which one is it, Payne? The Lone Rider of Santa Fe, sir. That's right. The Lone Rider of Santa Fe. I'd like to visit Texas one day, sir. Come on, show me what you've got to show. All right, Payne? Yes, sir. Payne, Payne, Payne. I got them muddled. It's the new lot that's just come in for Mr. Crabbin. See this man here? A fellow called Harbin, a medical orderly at the General Hospital. He worked for Lyme and helped to steal the stuff from the laboratories. We forced him to give information to us, which led us as far as Kurtz and Lyme. But we didn't arrest them as our evidence wasn't complete and it might have spoiled our chances of getting the others. Next, Payne. I'd like a word with this, this orderly, uh, Harbin. So would I. We'll bring him in. I can't. He disappeared a week ago. This is more like a mortuary than police headquarters. We have better witnesses. Look here. back to the hotel and do keep out of trouble. I'll try and fix things with the Austrian police. You'll be all right in the hotel, but I can't be responsible for you on the streets. I'm not asking you to. I'm sorry, Martins. I'm sorry, too. Still got that airplane ticket on you? We'll send one across to your hotel in the morning. Thank you. Excuse me. Get me Austrian police headquarters. Can I have that woman's passport? You know, the Anna Schmidt one. Oh. We're not going to pick her up for that, are we? What can we do? We have our instructions. Dejected with the evidence presented by the police about Harry being a smuggler of penicillin on the black market, Holly realizes he really didn't know anything about his friend. He gets drunk and decides it's time to move on from Vienna. He visits Anna to say goodbye and reminisce about Harry, and then Holly walks the empty streets at night. While walking around drunk, Holly sees somebody in the shadows, and he thinks it's the police following him. But it's not the police. It's Harry Lyme. It's Orson Welles, who gives a mischievous grin to Holly before running away and disappearing in the dark. We, as the audience, know what we saw. Harry's indeed alive. But Holly's completely drunk, so in his mind, he might be seeing ghosts. Holly tells Cowan and Payne what he saw, but they don't believe the drunk Holly. Followed his shadow until suddenly, well, this is where he vanished. I see. I suppose you don't believe me. No. Look, I tell you, you don't think I'm blind, do you? Yes. Where were you when you saw him first? Fifty yards right down there. Which side of the road? I was on that side, his shadow was on that side, and there are no turnings on either side. What about the doorways? I tell you, I heard him running ahead of me. Yes, yes, yes. And then he vanished out there, I suppose, with a puff of smoke and like a clap of... 
the German gin. Calloway discovers a tiny structure that leads to the sewers. That's where Harry must have escaped through. Calloway orders for Harry's grave to be exhumed. As it turns out, the man in the grave is not Harry Lyme, but a medical examiner that used to steal penicillin for Harry. Holly did indeed see Harry for real. He's not dead. Anna is questioned by the police, who believe that she knew Harry was alive all along. Anna is shocked and doesn't know where Harry would be. She truly believed he was dead. An angry Holly goes to the apartment of Baron Kurtz, saying he wants to speak with Harry, and that he'll be waiting by the Ferris wheel across the street. Harry does indeed show up to speak with his old friend Holly. Good to see you, Holly. Was that your funeral? It was pretty smart, wasn't it? Oh, the same old indigestion, Holly. These are the only things that help, these tablets. These are the last. Can't get them anywhere in Europe anymore. You know what's happened to your girl? Hmm? She's been arrested. Tough, very tough, but don't worry, old man. They won't hurt her. You're handing her over to the Russians. What can I do, old man? I'm dead, Hunter. You can help somehow. Holly. Exactly. Who did you tell about me, hmm? I told the police. Unwise, Holly. And Anna? Unwise. Did the uh, police believe you? You don't care anything at all about Anna, do you? <laughs> I've got quite a lot on my mind. You wouldn't do anything. What do you want me to do? Oh, Be reasonable. Somebody else oh, do. You expect me to give myself up. Why not? It's a far, far better thing that I do with the old limelight, the fall of the curtain. No. Oh, Holly, you and I aren't heroes. The world doesn't make any heroes. You've got plenty of outside contact. of your stories. I've got to be so careful. I'm only safe in the Russian zone. I'm only safe here as long as they can use me. As long as they can use you. I wish I could get rid of this thing. So that's how they found out about Anna. You told them, didn't you? Don't try to be a policeman, old man. What do you expect me to be, part of your... You can have any part you want as long as you don't interfere. I've never cut you out of anything. I remember when they raided the gambling joint and you were safe way out. Sure. Yeah, safe for you, not safe for me. Old man, you never should have gone to the police, you know. You ought to leave this thing alone. Have you ever seen any of your victims? You know, I never feel comfortable on these sort of things. Victims? Don't be melodramatic. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spin? Free of income tax, old man. Free of income tax? The only way you can save money nowadays. A lot of good your money will do you in jail. That jail's in another zone. There's no proof against me. Besides you. I should be pretty easy to get rid of. Pretty easy. Wouldn't be too sure. I carry a gun. I don't think they'd look for a bullet wound after you hit that ground. Dug up your coffin. Confound Harbin. Mm-hmm. Pity. <laughs> Holly. What fools we are talking to each other this way, as though I'd do anything to you. Or you to me. You're just a little mixed up about things in general. Nobody thinks in terms of human beings. 
governments don't, why should we? They talk about the people and the proletariat. I talk about the suckers and the mugs. It's the same thing. They have their five-year plans. <laughs> so have I. You used to believe in God. Well, I still do believe in God, old man. I believe in God and mercy and all that, but the dead are happier dead. They don't miss much here, poor devils. What do you believe in? Oh, if you ever get Anna out of this mess, be kind to her. You'll find she's worth it. I wish I'd asked you to bring me some of these tablets from home. Holly, I'd like to cut you in, old man. There's nobody left in Vienna I can really trust, and we've always done everything together. When you make up your mind, send me a message. I'll meet you any place, any time. And when we do meet, old man, it's you I want to see. Not the police. Remember that, won't you? <laughs> Don't be so gloomy. After all, it's not that awful. But what the fellow said, in Italy, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. So long, Holly. With one of the most distinctive voices in the history of film, Orson Welles was often difficult and egocentric, according to the historians. But you couldn't deny his talents. Wells's contribution to the film included writing the film's most famous passage of dialogue, the cuckoo clock speech, which you just heard. All right, there's 20 minutes left in the film, so what will Holly do? Will we turn in his old friend Harry Lyme to the police, or let him go on with his rackets? Well, you'll just have to watch the film and find out. Even if Holly decides to assist the police, Harry's a sneaky devil and may escape regardless. We also find out about Anna's fate. The ending also has some terrific tension. However, if you don't want to wait, I do have a radio adaptation from the Lux Radio Theater from 1951 with Joseph Cotton reprising his role. However, Orson Welles is not in this adaptation, so I suggest just seeing the film if you're interested. So even though Wells does not appear to almost two-thirds of the way into this movie, his scenes are well worth the wait. And the cinematography in this film, especially for the ending scenes, is brilliant. The Third Man is another example where being shot in black and white adds so much to this film that would have been lost if it had been shot in color. Orson Welles had once said about his supposed small role in The Third Man that it truly was a star part. And the reason being is that the film spends an hour talking about the person without even seeing him. There's so much built up to the character that once the reveal finally occurs, it's always memorable no matter what the actor does. All right, some fun facts. The Third Man was nominated for three Oscars and won one. It won Best Cinematography, Black and White. It lost Best Director to Joseph Nankowitz for All About Eve. And it lost Best Film Editing to King Solomon's Minds. The success of the film led to a prequel radio adaptation called The Avengers of Harry Lyme, with Orson Welles as the title character. There were 52 episodes aired from 1951 to 52, and many can be found on YouTube or other old-time radio sites if you're interested. Also, a TV adaptation which had Harry Lyme as a private investigator aired from 1959 to 1965. Cary Grant was considered for the part of Harry Lyme. Coincidentally, Grant was a regular lunchtime visitor to the set of the film when shooting returned to London sound stages. 
A huge fan of this film was Martin Scorsese, who wrote a major thesis on it when he was in film school. He got a B-plus for it. His tutor remarking, forget it, it's just a thriller. All right, like I said, I do have an old-time radio adaptation from April 9th, 1951, so why don't we play that for you, and I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater. Starring Joseph Cotton and Evelyn Keyes in The Third Man. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keyes. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. In tonight's play, The Third Man, we have a perfect setting for a murder mystery. Post-war Europe, filled with spies, intrigue, and black markets. Into this atmosphere of cunning and subterfuge comes an American, only to take up the trail of the unknown murderer of his friend, a trail that leads him into hazardous and chilling adventure. As the stars of this suspenseful David O. Selznick production, we have in his original role one of the finest actors of screen and radio, Joseph Cotton, and as his co-star, charming Evelyn Keyes. The third man not only has a plot to hold everyone's interest, but one of the most haunting of musical themes, played on a most unusual instrument, the zither. Now that spring is here, it won't be long before we hear another unforgettable theme, as Lux lovely girls everywhere begin the wedding march. And women who give their complexions daily Lux toilet soap care will, of course, be among the loveliest of brides. Now the curtain rises on The Third Man, starring Joseph Cotton as Holly Martins and Evelyn Keyes as Anna Schmidt. When the funeral was over, I left the cemetery with a British officer, Major Calloway. He offered to drive me back into town. Then he said he thought I needed a drink. The Major was right. Yes, you've had a bit of a shock, Mr. Martins. You say you arrived in Vienna only this morning? Just in time to go to the funeral. You, uh, you came to Vienna to attend the funeral? Came here to go to work. A friend of mine offered me a job, publicity work, for some kind of charity he was running. Well, my friend's dead. Harry Lyme offered you a job? Best friend I ever had. You're a writer, you say? Ever hear of the lone rider of Santa Fe? Death at Double X Ranch? I can't say that I have. Well, don't get any ideas about money. I'm broke. Harry even sent me the plane ticket. No money at all? Little, not very much. Where are you staying? I was going to stay with him. It was the porter at his apartment house who told me. Told you what, Mr. Martins? About the accident. Harry had been killed. He didn't have many friends, did he? I mean, well, at the cemetery, for instance, a handful of people. Well, who were they? Do you know them? I know who they are, yes. A Dr. Winkle, Baron Kurtz. A girl named Anna Schmidt. Oh, what a waste. What a shame. What? His dying like that. The best thing that ever happened to him. I... 
Martins, your friend Harry Lyme was about the worst racketeer that ever made a dirty living in this city. So that's what you are, policemen. This is the international zone. Your country, too, has military police here. So do the French and the Russians. We try to work together. Some petty racket with gasoline or something. You pin it on a dead man, just like a cop. It wasn't gasoline, Mr. Martins. So it was tires or saccharin. Why don't you catch a few murderers for a change? Murder was part of Harry Lyme's racket. Sergeant Penn. Yes, sir. Drive Mr. Martins to Saka's hotel. Very good, sir. Nothing elegant, Mr. Martins. Military personnel mostly, but you... Now, just a minute, Callahan. Callaway, I'm English. You're not going to close your files at a dead man's expense. Oh, so you're going to find me the real criminal. Sounds like one of your stories. Oh, when I'm finished with you, you'll leave Vienna. You'll look so silly. You said you had very little cash. Here, take this army money. It'll see you through until tomorrow, and we'll hold a seat for you on the plane. All right, Sergeant. Take him to Zarkas. <laughs> gave me a room on the second floor, and I hardly closed the door when the telephone rang. Hello? Mr. Martin. Who's this? Baron Kurtz. Who? Baron Kurtz. I was a friend of Harry Lyme. Oh, oh yes, I'd like very much to meet you, Baron. Can you come over here? Austrians are not allowed in your hotel, Mr. Martin. Could we not meet at the Mozart Cafe? It is just around the corner. How'll I know you? I will carry one of your books. Harry gave it to me. The... um, the Oklahoma Kid. I'll be right over. Thank you, Mr. Martin. I am delighted to meet you, sir. What would you like? Tea? Coffee? Uh, coffee, please, Black. Zwei Schwarze, bitte. It is wonderful how you keep the tension. Tension? The suspense. In this book, I mean. Oh. So you were a friend of Harry's, Baron Kurtz? I think he's best, except you, of course. Now, the police have a crazy notion he was mixed up in some sort of racket. Mr. Martins, who in Vienna is not? We all sell cigarettes and that kind of thing. I have done things that would have seemed unthinkable before the war. I'm afraid the police meant more than that. And they get some rather absurd ideas sometimes. Poor Harry. Where he is now, he will not mind. Even so, I'm not going to leave it at this. Will you help me? I wish I could. But I am an Austrian. I have to be very careful. I'm afraid I cannot help you. Except with advice, of course. Advice. I want to know how he was killed. With the truck? He was struck by the truck. I mean, how? How, how did it happen? We will drink our coffee, Mr. Martins. It is not far from here where it happened. We will walk there and I will show you. We walked out of the apartment, Mr. Martins. There, where the porter's sweeping. We started toward the corner when a friend of Harry's called to him from over there. That square across the street? Exactly. Harry stepped off the curb and started over. The truck came from that direction. That quickly? That quickly. His friend and I picked him up. We carried him to, to this very spot. Oh. Even at the end, his thoughts were of you. What did he say? I cannot remember the exact words. He was anxious I should look after you when you arrived. But the porter told me he died instantaneously. Well, before the ambulance could reach us. Oh. There were only you and this friend of his. Uh, who was he? A Romanian, Mr. Popesco. I'd like to talk to him. He has left Vienna. Oh, uh, excuse me. I want to ask the porter something. Uh, uh, you, uh, did you know Mr. Lime well? Mr. Lime... Yes. You, know, you remember me. This morning I was here. Yes, I remember you. Well, 
Who used to visit, Mr. Lyme? Visit? Uh, Was will er wissen? Er will wissen, wer hier verkehrt. So, es kommen so viele Leute Hallo. hier, dass ich... Ja, mit Sie. Kannst du herkommen? Ja, ein Moment. Nicht später, jetzt. Du musst am Telefon. Please, you will excuse me. Uh, Baron Kurtz, uh, who was at the funeral beside you? You saw them. Only his doctor, Dr. Winkel, and the British officer. Was the girl there? Oh, yes. Some girl of the Josefstadt Theater. You know how Harry was. You don't know her name? I do not think I ever heard it. Mr. Martins, you do better to think of yourself now. I'll be all right. Of course. And you will forgive me if I run along uh, now? If I should want to talk with you again, Baron, I... You will find me at the Casanova Club every night. One has to work, you know. And I'm so glad to have met you, Mr. Martins, and your book, a masterpiece of suspense. Such a good cover, too, I think. <laughs> Martins, isn't it? my key, please. 226. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, how can I get a ticket for the Josefstadt Theater for tonight? Well, I, I think we can arrange that. Uh, speaking of tickets, sir, huh? Major Calloway's compliments, sir, and a ticket for tomorrow's plane. Oh, well, you can tell Major Calloway that I won't need it. I've decided to stay for a while. Oh? Yeah. Uh, yes, Mr. Martins, I will tell him. That night, I went to the Josefstadt Theater. After the performance, a pack of cigarettes got me past the doorman to Anna Schmidt's dressing room. Holly Martins? That name is supposed to mean something to me? I thought perhaps Harry told you about me. No, he never told me about his friends. Uh, I, I enjoyed the play very much. You were awfully good. You are not here to talk about my performance. No, about Harry. Had you known him long? Yes, but there is nothing really to say, is there? Nothing. I saw you at the cemetery this morning. I'm sorry. I did not notice much. You were in love with him, weren't you? I do not know. How can you know a thing like that afterwards? I do not know anything anymore. Except I want to be dead, too. I, I was talking to another friend of Harry's, uh, Baron Kurtz. Do you know him? I have met him. He brought me some money when Harry died. He said Harry had been anxious at the last moment. He said Harry spoke of me, too. Seems to show he wasn't in much pain. Dr. Winkel told me that. Dr. Winkel? Uh, the doctor Harry used to go to, he was passing just after it happened. His, his own doctor just passing? Yes. They said it was not the driver's fault. Harry had often said what a careful driver he was. The man in the truck was Harry's driver? Well, I, I just don't understand all this. His own driver knocking him down, his own doctor just passing by. I have wondered about it a hundred times. But what difference does it make? He's dead. But if it wasn't an accident... I'm sorry, I cannot stay here. The manager does not like us to use the electricity. Would you come with me? Where? To Harry's apartment. At this hour? Well, the porter there saw it happen. Well, then why worry? You know that porter? Yes. All right, Mr. Martins. We will speak to the porter. Talk inside in Herr Lyme's apartment. Sehen Sie, da, gleich da drunten, Fräulein, da herunten ist es passiert. What's he saying? Come over to the window. He says it happened right 
down there? Down there, you, yes. You saw it happen? Not saw. Heard. Oh. I heard the brakes. Then I saw them carry the body to the other side of the Emperor Yosef statue. Why didn't they bring him in the house? Could he have been conscious? Conscious? Das soll ich auch uh, noch wissen? Conscious? Uh, well, was he still alive? Alive? He could not have been alive, not with his head in the way it was. Well, then how could he have talked about me, about this lady here? Why didn't you say all this at the inquest? It is better to say nothing. I was not the only one. Oh, who else? Three men carry your friend to that statue down there. Yeah. Kurtz? Yes. This Romanian? Yes. Who else? You mean the doctor? No, 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 no. There, there was a third man. He come later, after they carried him to the statue. Well, who? Well, I did not see his face. He, he might have been just anybody. Just anybody? I, I was told there were only two men there. You've got to tell the story to the police. Police? Well, why police? This, this is all blödsinn, was Sie da sagen. This is, this is all crazy. It was an accident. Was it? You don't know it was an accident. But you only saw a dead man and three men carrying. I should listen to my wife, keep my mouth shut, say nothing. Suppose I take your evidence to the police. I have no evidence. It is not my business. Make it your business. Fräulein, Fräulein Schmidt. We had better leave, Mr. Martins. Oh. Can I take you home? It does not matter, if you want to. Outside in the corridor was a little boy. He was bouncing a rubber ball. Looked up and stared at me. What was that all about? He says you do not like the porter. Yes, he says you do not like me. Maybe he's right. Good night, Mr. Martins. I took on a home, a small apartment building. We paused a moment in the entrance. I have been thinking, leave Vienna, Mr. Martins. <laughs> You're not the first person who's told me There that. There is nothing you can do here. But if I do find something, may I look you up again? Oh, you know where I work, you know where I live, but I... Suddenly the door in front of us flung open, a woman. She pushed me aside, talking to Anna excitedly. She's talking about the police. They're upstairs searching my room. I followed Anna to her room. In it were Sergeant Payne and Major Calloway. What the devil is this, Calloway? Pinning things on girls now? Uh, Miss Schmidt, I should like to see your papers, please. Don't you give him anything. Here, my passport. Thank you. Ah, you were born in Salzburg of Austrian parents? Yes. How much did you pay for this passport, Miss Schmidt? Well, it doesn't matter. I'm afraid I'll have to keep it for a while. Uh, give Miss Schmidt a receipt, Sergeant. Oh, and uh, for these letters, too. Yes, sir. I suppose it wouldn't interest you to know that Harry Lyme was murdered. No, you're too busy. You haven't even bothered to get the complete evidence. My letters, must you take them? They'll be returned, miss. But they're private papers. Oh, that's all right, miss. We're used to it. Like doctors. There was a third man there. I suppose that doesn't sound peculiar to you, Calloway. I'm not interested in how a racketeer like Lyme was killed. The only important thing is that he's dead. I'm sorry, Miss Schmidt. Must you take those letters? They're Harry's. They're only love letters. They'll be returned as soon as we've examined them. Harry never did anything. Only a small thing once, out of kindness. And what was that? My passport. You have it in your hand. You'll have to come along with us, Miss Schmidt. You're not locking her up. Oh, Martins, be sensible. You don't know what you're mixing in. Get the next plane. As soon as I get to the bottom of this, I'll get the next plane. Death is at the bottom of everything, Martins. Leave death to the profession. You mind if I use that line in my next western? 
You can't chuck me out, Major. My papers are in order. Look, is anything really wrong with your passport? It was forged. Why? The Russians would claim me. I come from Czechoslovakia, yes, and if I... Mind, Good night, Martins. I stood on the sidewalk as they drove off. Then I remember the doctor, Dr. Vinko. I got his address from a telephone book and hailed a taxi cab. What can I do for you, Mr. Martins? I, I realize this is no time of night to be calling, doctor, but... Well, we were both friends of Harry Lyme. And I... I was his medical advisor, yes. And I want to find out all I can. I can tell you very little. He was dead when I arrived. Yeah. Who was with him? Two friends of his. Two? Two, are you sure? Quite sure, Mr. Martins. Could he have been at all uh, conscious? I understand he was for a short time, but I was not there when it happened. My opinion is limited to the causes of death. Have you any reason to be dissatisfied? Well, is it possible that his death might have been... Not accidental. Could he... Could he have been pushed, Doctor? I cannot give an opinion. The injuries to the head and skull would have been the same. And uh, now I'm afraid I Yes, yes, of course. Thank you. Well, Sergeant, come in, come in. I followed Martin, sir. He went to Dr. Winkle's home. Then he came back here. Here? He's down on the street, sir. Waiting for Miss Schmidt, I would imagine. Ah, she's in the other office. Bring her in. Oh, I, um, I showed her forged passport to the French, the Americans, and the Russians. Yes, sir. Our Russian friend, Captain Brodsky, is very interested. He wants us to hold it until he can talk to Colonel Polikov. Well, uh, bring her in, sir. My papers. You have not returned everything, have you? I'm sorry. We'll need your passport for a while longer. Miss Schmidt, you knew Harry Lyon very well, didn't you? We loved each other. Is that what you mean? Uh, would you look at this photograph, please? Do you know this man also? I have never seen him. And perhaps you've heard of him. Joseph Hardin? He works in a military hospital. No. Miss Schmidt, it's stupid to lie to me. I'm in a position to help you considerably. I, I am not lying. You are wrong about Harry. You, you are wrong about everything. In one of his letters, Harry Lyon asked you to telephone Joseph at the Casanova Club... What was the message? It was not important. Something about meeting Harry at his home. Joseph Harbin disappeared the day you telephoned. Now, we've got to find him, and you can help us. What can I tell you but that you have got everything upside down? Am I under arrest? No. No, we'll send for you when we want you. Thank you. Oh, uh, that American is still waiting for you out there. He won't do you much good, Miss Schmidt. No? No. Good night, Miss Schmidt. In just a few moments, we'll continue with Act Two of The Third Man. Now, here's Libby Collins, our Hollywood reporter, with the Lux Movie News of the Week. Our picture tonight deals with a problem of intense human interest. A famous sportsman stages a comeback after a disabling accident. In Follow the Sun, 20th Century Fox tells us how the great golfer Ben Hogan did just that. In the picture, Glenn Ford is Ben. It's wonderful how he makes golf a thrilling game, even to a novice like me. 
I never expected so much suspense and action. Isn't it true, Libby, that Ben Hogan himself worked with Glenn throughout the filming? Yes, that's true. And Ann Baxter, as Ben's wife, got her interpretation firsthand from Mrs. Hogan. I got a kick out of Dennis O'Keefe's performance as the golfing pro who loves to play to the galleries. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Follow the Sun has its share of laughs. But above all, it's a tender love story. Ann Baxter makes the part of the devoted wife just about perfect. One of Hollywood's finest young actresses and one of the loveliest. I quite agree, Libby. She's a glamour girl, all right. Always has that fresh, radiant look about her. Well, John, she's a Lux girl. Anne depends on Lux soap for her complexion care and uses the new bath size, too. Says it makes her Lux beauty bath more luxurious than ever. So many stars tell us that, Libby. And no wonder. Lux is a soap you don't have to coax to lather. Even in hardest water, you get plenty of rich, creamy lather. And I love the way it leaves skin so fresh. Lux lovely all over. Lux soap in the generous bath size is made to please lovely women everywhere. Its active lather makes you sure of daintiness, sure of charm. Screen stars say they enjoy the delicate fragrance a Lux soap bath leaves on the skin. Put this generous new bath size on your shopping list now. You'll be delighted with its creamy lather and flower-like fragrance. It's easy to be Lux lovely all over. Find out for yourself why nine out of ten screen stars use Lux toilet soap. Now our producer, Mr. William Keeley. Act two of The Third Man, starring Joseph Cotton as Holly Martins and Evelyn Keyes as Anna Schmidt. saw me waiting under the street lamp in front of the government building. She would have gone on away if I hadn't stopped her. I suggested a drink at the Casanova Club. Good evening. Well, you have found out my little secret, Mr. Martins. The Baron Kurtz, a violin player in a cheap cafe. Good evening, Miss Schmidt. Good evening. You have proved the police to be wrong, Mr. Martin. No, no, not yet. Mr. Popesco is here tonight. Oh, I thought you said he'd left Vienna. He is back now. Huh. I will bring him here to your table. You have not done enough for tonight. But the porter said three men carried the body and two of them are here. You, of course, know Miss Schmidt. Mr. Popesco, Mr. Martin. How do you do? How do you do? Any friend of Harry's is a friend of mine. There. Now I leave you together. Uh, uh, Mr. Popesco, I understand you were with Harry when the truck came. Oh, up. it was a terrible thing. I was just crossing the road. He and the Baron were on the sidewalk. Maybe if I had not called to him, he... Anyway, he, he stepped off to meet me, and I have never seen a man killed before. I think there's something funny about the whole thing. Funny? Something wrong. Of course there was. It was so insane for a man like Harry Lyme to be killed in a street accident. That's all you meant. But what else, Mr. Martin? Who was the third man? Now, what man would you be referring to, please? I was told that a third man helped you and Kurtz carry him. A third man? Hmm. Who could have told you a story like that? The porter. He saw the accident? The porter? He saw three men carrying the body. I do not seem to recall the porter at the police inquiry. Well, he doesn't want to get involved. Involved? It is his duty to give evidence. Even so, he remembered wrong. He told you more, Mr. Martin? 
that Harry was dead before you got him to the statue. Somebody's lying, Mr. Popesco. Oh, no, 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 not necessarily. British police say Harry was mixed up in some racket. Impossible. Harry had a great sense of duty, yes, Miss Schmidt? I am afraid I have not been listening. Is there anything else, Mr. Martin? No, no, thanks for stopping by. It was my pleasure. Good night, Miss Schmidt. Good night. This is a nice girl, Mr. Martins, but she ought to go careful in Vienna. A city like this, everybody ought to be careful. Next morning, I went to Harry's apartment house. That little boy with the rubber ball was playing on the sidewalk. He's looking in Poitiers. I asked him kill her. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Sonny. You're 100% right. Hey, Hammy, she guessed in the hood. Yeah. She haven't met in Poitiers. What do you want of me now? Is it so important always to ask me questions? Yes, it is. I am not a bad man. I, I would like to tell you something. Then how did a car, a truck... Shh! Not now, not here. What? My wife, if she thinks I tell oh, you right, anything... Right, but when? Come tonight. Early tonight. My wife goes out. But why does it have to be... Shh! Tonight. You come here tonight. Clarissa? Oh, uh, does that mean come in? Oh, yes, come in. Hope you don't mind. I have something to tell you. The porter's going to talk to us again tonight. Oh, need we go through it all again? Well, I'd manage by myself, then. You'll be at the theater, I suppose. No, we do three plays a week. I do not appear again until Thursday. Then why don't you want to... Oh, bad day. Huh? It is always bad about this time. Harry used to stop by around six. I have been frightened before of being alone without friends, without money. But I have never known anything like this. Please, tell me about him. Tell you what? Oh, anything. When did you see him last? What did you do? <laughs> We didn't make much sense. We drank too much. Once he tried to steal my girl. Where is she? Oh, that was many years ago. Tell me more. Well, it's, it's, it's very difficult. You knew Harry. We didn't do anything very amusing. He just made everything seem like, I don't know, uh, like a lot of fun. Was he clever when he was a boy? I suppose so. He could fix anything. Harry fixed my papers for me. He heard the Russians were repatriating people like me who come from Czechoslovakia... He knew the right person right away for forging the stamps. When he was 14, he taught me three card tricks. That's growing up fast. Oh, he never grew up. The world grew up around him, that's all. And buried him. No, Anna, no. Don't. You fall in love again. Oh, no, I do not want to. Never. I do uh. not want to. If we have to see the porter, we had better go. Well, a moment ago, you didn't want to see the porter. We are both in it, Harry. Holly. Holly Martin. Remember? I am sorry. All right. You might at least get my name right. You know, you ought to find yourself a girl. Yeah, that's just what I keep telling myself. It was dark when we turned the corner of Harry Street. We were still half a block away when Anna noticed the crowd milling around the entrance. There was an ambulance at the curb. An accident. Another accident. Wait here. Let me see what it's all about. What's the matter? What is lost? The portier is ungebracht worden. Don't understand. A murder. The portier. The porter. 
Reporter, dead. Somebody kills the porter. Hans, und wie viel Mal muss ich dir sagen, von ihr wegzustehen? Der war's, das Was meinst du? Der war's, der war's. Suddenly everyone was silent. They were staring at me and drawing back, and that boy pointing his finger at me and shouting. Ich habe es doch gesehen. Der ist der Mörder, Mörder, Mörder. I didn't have to understand German to know what he meant. The porter had been murdered, and the boy was saying, I killed him. Suddenly the car became alive again. I grabbed on and we ran. It was Anna who said we didn't have to run anymore. The alley behind us was empty. No one was hot. They are afraid. Like everyone in Vienna, afraid even of you. He was afraid, too. The porter. Now he's dead. But the boy, why did the boy say that I you... Don't, I don't know why. What are you going to do? Why not? have told the police they will be looking for I'm you. I'm not quite sure what I should do. Well, then be sensible. Tell Major Calloway. Calloway? Maybe you're right. And you. I will go with you. Now, who's being sensible now? You shouldn't even be seen with me. Here, take a taxi and go home. I'd better not see you again. I agree with you, Mr. Martins. Good night. I told you to leave, Martins. You're lucky you even got here alive. You've been blundering around with the worst bunch of racketeers in Vienna. Your precious Harry's friends. And now you're wanted for murder. Well, put down drunk and disorderly, too, Major Calloway. Oh, stop behaving like a fool. I'm only an amateur fool. You're the professional. You've been shaking your cap and bells all over Vienna. I think it's time you heard the facts, Mr. Martins. I don't want another murder in this case, and you were born to be murdered. Have you ever heard of penicillin? Uh? In Vienna, there hasn't been enough penicillin to go round. There are a nice little trade started up. Stealing penicillin from the hospitals, diluting it to make it go further, and selling it to the patients. You know what that means? It means you were too busy chasing a few tubes of penicillin to investigate a homicide. These were homicides. Men with gangrenous legs. Women in childbirth. And there were children, too. They used some of this diluted penicillin against meningitis. This is the racket Harry Lyme organized. Calloway, you haven't shown me one shred of evidence. Uh, well, we're just coming to that. Here. This is a photograph of a man called Harbin, a medical orderly at the General Hospital. He worked for Lyme. He helped steal the penicillin from the laboratories. We forced him to give information to us, which led us as far as Kurtz and Lyme. But you didn't arrest them. Our evidence wasn't complete. It might have spoiled our chances of getting the others. I'd like a word with this Harbin fellow. Would you, Mr. Martin? Yeah. yeah. So would I. He disappeared four days ago. Well, we'll have a look at Baron Kurtz. We know for a fact that Lyme met Kurtz a little over a year ago. Well, now you know the facts, Mr. Martins. They turn my stomach. How could he have done it? How could... How could Harry... Harry have done it? How? Seventy pounds for a tube of penicillin? Hmm. Oh, you go back to the hotel, Mr. Martin. Stay in your room. About the porter, I'll fix that with the Austrian police, but I can't be responsible for you out on the streets. I'm not asking you to. I am sorry, Martin. Still got that plane ticket? It'll be at the hotel in the morning. This time, I think I'll use it. (laughs) 
Yes, thanks. I thought you were going to Major Galloway. That's where I've been. You said you were not going to see me again. I'm not. I just wanted to say goodbye. I'm going back home. Why? It's what you've always wanted, all of you. Cat? I know you had a cat. Kitty. Kitty, kitty. What's the matter? Don't you want to play? I had better look him out. He's not very sociable, is he? He liked only Harry. What made you decide so suddenly? Or did Calloway tell you? Tell me? About Harry. Do you know? I also saw Galloway this afternoon. Harry is better dead. I knew he was mixed up, but not like that. I knew him for t- 20 years. At least I thought I knew him. suppose he was laughing at fools like us all the time. He liked to laugh. 70 pounds a tube. He wanted me to write for his great medical charity. Perhaps I could have raised the price to 80 pounds. Oh, please, for heaven's sake, stop making him in your image... Harry was real. He was not just your friend and my lover. He was Harry. Don't preach to me. You talk about him as if he had occasional bad manners. Oh, I don't know. I'm just a hack. Writer who drinks too much and falls in love with girls. You. Me? Don't be such a fool, of course. If you had wrong me and asked me whether you were fair or dark or had a mustache, I would not have known. I'm leaving Vienna. I don't care whether Harry was murdered by Kurtz or Popesco or the third man. Whoever killed him, there was some sort of justice. Maybe I would have killed him myself. A person doesn't change because you find out more. Look, I've got a splitting headache and you just stand there and talk and talk and talk. I hate it. Oh, you hate it. (laughs) You know, that's the first time I ever heard you laugh. Do it again. There is not enough for two laughs. If I make comic faces, if I stand on my head, wouldn't stand a chance, would I? No, now, first you laugh, and now this. Go away. Just go away. It was dark in the street, deserted. The large, empty square with the black buildings looming up around it. Not a sound. Just the mewing of a cat. Kitty? Kitty, kitty? Kitty? Suddenly I saw the cat was licking a pair of black shoes. Who's there? What kind of a spy do you think you are waiting in a doorway to tail me? Well, cat got your tongue? Come out of there. Come on, out of... Harry. Harry! And this is where you think you saw him. This is... This is where you saw Harry lie. This is where he vanished. I told you he came out of that doorway at... Don't you believe me? You heard footsteps, you saw a shadow, and then you saw Harry Lyon. I tell you, I... Oh, yes, yes, of course. And then he vanished with a puff of smoke and a clap of thunder. What's that over there, that that booth in the square? It's a kiosk inside a steps leading down to the sewer tunnel. Tunnel? You mean a man could... All right, Martins. Yes, a man could go down there, but I don't believe he did, and I don't believe it was Lyon. Then why did you even bother to come out here? Do you realize what this means? What you're forcing me to do? If you saw Lyon tonight, then someone else was buried in that cemetery. was like a page out of Edgar Allan Poe. 
The gravediggers, the men holding torches, the open casket, and then an official of the cemetery turning to Callaway. You knew this man, Major? You can identify him? Yes. Yes, I knew this man. Joseph Harbin, medical orderly at the General Hospital. Well, I suppose the least I can do is uh, apologize, Martins. Obviously, you did see Harry Lyne. Thanks. I'll uh, I'll drop you off at the hotel, and then I'll... And if you don't mind, you can drop me off at Anna Schmidt's apartment. You won't find her there. Oh, why not? Because by now she's been arrested by Sergeant Payne. Well, what for? Her passport. She's wanted by the Russian police. No. She should be at my office by now. Then I'd see her there. No, Mr. Martins, you cannot see her there. Now, you just step in the office, Miss Schmidt. Major Calloway wants to speak to you. I'm sorry to bring you back here at this hour, Miss Schmidt. You're arresting me because of the passport. Is that it? I'm not interested in your passport. When did you last see Harry Lyne? Two weeks ago. I want the truth. We know that Lyme is alive. What did you say? I'm sorry. I just come from the cemetery. Another man was buried in his place. Where is he? Where is Harry? That is what we want to find out. I do not seem able to understand anything you say. I... He's alive now. This minute he's doing something. We know he's somewhere in the Russian zone. In a few minutes, Captain Brodsky will be questioning you about your papers. Tell me where Lyme is. I do not know. If you help me, I'm prepared to help you. Martin's always said you were a fool. Vienna's huh? a closed city, Miss Schmidt. Lyme can't get away. I wish he were dead. He would be safe from all of you, Dan. Ah, you leave me no alternative. All right, Sergeant. Take it to Brodsky. <laughs> In a few moments, we'll bring you Act Three of The Third Man. I've chosen as our guest tonight an actress who plays an unusual role in a most unusual picture, the David O. Selznick, Alexander Corder production, Gypsy Blood. Let me introduce Miss Irene Winston. I understand, Irene, your part is uh, heard but not seen. <laughs> yes, Mr. Keeley. I play a voice, the voice of a mother speaking to her daughter through a gypsy charm book. Jennifer Jones is a star, you know. A lovely, wild, half-gypsy girl. When she wants guidance, she consults her book, and that's when I speak. Hmm, gypsy blood was filmed abroad, wasn't it? Yes, except for my part, done right here in Hollywood. I wish I could have gone to Wales and to Shropshire in England where the outdoor shots were made. They're magnificent. You know, I'd say this wild, dramatic countryside is the right background for this fantastic tale. And Jennifer Jones is so right for the part of the gypsy maid with her dark, striking beauty. She never has to use makeup, you know, with that fabulous complexion. Speaking of charm books, Irene, I'm sure there's a leaf in yours on Lux Toilet Soap. I should say so, Mr. Kennedy. The very first page. Like the screen stars, I wouldn't trust my skin to any other soap. Lux Soap Facials are such a grand complexion care. Won't you tell us how easy it is to be Lux lovely, Irene? I'd love to, Mr. Kennedy. I just cream the rich lather on with my fingertips and work it in well. Then I rinse with warm water and finish with little splashes of cold. Then I use a very soft towel and pat my face dry. I like the way my skin feels afterwards, too. So soft and smooth. Thank you, Miss Irene Winston, for telling us about Hollywood's own complexion care. 
Lux has active lather that makes you sure of gentle, thorough cleansing. Try these beauty facials and notice the difference in your skin. Discover why nine out of ten screen stars depend on fragrant white Lux toilet soap. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Curtain rises on Act Three of The Third Man, starring Joseph Cotton as Holly Martins and Evelyn Keyes as Anna Schmidt. I called on Dr. Winkle early the next morning. I told him I wanted to talk to Harry Lyme. Harry Lyme? Mr. Martins, are you mad? All right, I'm mad. I've seen a ghost. You just tell Harry I want to see him today, this afternoon. You're reasonable. How can you stand there and... I saw Harry last night. Now... I passed a park a few blocks from here, an amusement park. You tell Harry I'll meet him there. You can arrange it. You are Kurtz. You take a great deal for granted, Mr. Martin. Do I? Or do ghosts only ride by night, Dr. Finkel? He was there at the amusement park at three o'clock. Harry Lyme, striding down the midway, a broad smile on his face... Immaculate and chipper as always. Holly, Holly, old man, how are you? Hello, Harry. Well, well, I seem to be giving you quite a busy time. Now listen, I want to talk to you. Of course. Come on, let's go on the Ferris wheel. Ferris wheel? Hmm, business must be bad. Look, not a soul to get in our way. We'll have it all to ourselves, our little talk. Or does it make you dizzy way up there? Come on, we're wasting time. wrong with this? Well, up we go, Holly. Kids used to ride this thing a lot in the old days, but they haven't the money anymore, poor devils. It's good to see you, old man. Maybe it is, considering I was at your funeral. It was pretty smart, wasn't it? You know what happened to your girl? Hmm? She's been arrested. Tough, eh? Tough. Ah, don't worry. They won't hurt her. They're handing her over to the Russians. <laughs> what can I do, old man? I'm dead, aren't I? Holly... Exactly who did you tell about me? I told the police. Unwise, old man. Unwise. And Anna. And uh, did the police believe you? You don't care anything at all about Anna, do you? Well, I've got quite a lot on my mind. You wouldn't do anything for her. What do you want me to do? Be reasonable. Do you expect me to give myself up? Why not? Holly, you and I aren't heroes. The world doesn't make any heroes outside of your stories. I've got to be so careful. I'm safe only here in the Russian zone. And I'm safe here only as long as they can use me. As long as they can use me. So that's how they found out about Anna. You you told them, didn't you? Don't try to be a policeman, old man. What do you expect me to be? Part of your... You can have any part you want as long as you don't interfere. I've never cut you out of anything. Yes, I remember the time they raided that gambling joint. You knew a safe way out. Sure. Sure. Safe for you. Not safe for me. Old man, you should never have gone to the police, you know. You ought to leave this thing alone. Have you ever seen one of your victims? Victims? <laughs> Look down there, Holly. 
way down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots of humanity stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spare free of income tax? A lot of good your money will do you in jail. You forget. That jail's in the other zone. There's no proof against me uh, besides you. I... I should be pretty easy to get rid of. Pretty easy? I uh, wouldn't be too sure. I carry a gun. I don't think they'd look for a bullet wound after you hit the ground. No, not from this height. They've dug up your coffin, Harry. And found Harbin. Pity. <laughs> Holly, what fools we are to talk this way. As though I'd do anything to you or you to me. You're just a little mixed up about things in general. Nobody thinks in terms of human beings. Governments don't. Why should we? They talk about the people in the planetarium. I talk about the suckers and the mugs. It's the same thing. They have their five-year plan, so have I. You used to believe in God. I still believe in God, old man. I believe in God and mercy and all that, but I'm also convinced that the dead are happier dead. They don't miss much here, now do they? Well, it appears our little journey into the ozone is over. Uh, uh, where are you going? I'm not sure. Then wait a minute. I'd like to cut you in, Holly. Nobody left in Vienna I can really trust, and we've done so many things together. When you make up your mind, send me a message through Kurtz. I'll meet you any place, any time. <laughs> but it'll be you I want to see, old man, not the police. Remember that, eh? <laughs> And don't be so gloomy. After all, it's not that awful. Remember what the fellow said? In Italy, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. So long, Holly. You could arrange to meet him here, Martins, in the international zone. Why not? A cafe, a restaurant, anywhere. You expect too much, Calloway. Uh, I, I, I know he deserves to hang, but don't ask me to tie the rope. Okay, Martins. Forget it. Pardon me, Major. Are you busy? Oh. Yes, come in, Captain Brodsky. We have identified the girl called Anna Schmidt. Oh, Yes. Well, I've questioned her, Captain. We have nothing against her. But we have. We shall apply for her tomorrow at the four-power meeting. She has no right to be here. I've made an application, too. I've asked your people to help me with Harry Lyme. That is a different case, Major. It is being looked into. Good afternoon. That's the sort of thing we're up against, Martins. What price would you pay for Harry Lyme? A considerable price. Anna Schmidt's freedom? Yes, Mr. Martins. I think even that might be arranged. That's your train over there, miss. Is there anything else I can do? I do not understand, Major Calloway, Sergeant. Uh, why has he done this, helping me to run away? I expect he's got a soft spot for you, miss. You're well out of things now. Good luck, miss. Thank you. 
two minutes before the train leaves, Anna. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I just wanted to see you off. Well? Oh, how did you know I'd be here? You have seen Major Galloway again. Of course not. Now, Anna, send me a wire as soon as you arrive. Where he, is Harry? He's safe in the Russian zone. I saw him this afternoon. How, how is he? Oh, he can look after himself. Don't you worry. Did he say anything about me? Tell me. All the usual things. No, something is wrong. Did you tell Calloway about meeting him? Of course I didn't tell Calloway. Well, then why should he help me like this? The Russians will only make trouble for oh, him. Oh, that's his headache. Why are you lying to me? We're getting you out of here, aren't we? No, I will not go. You have seen Calloway. What are you two doing? Well, well, they they asked me to help take him, oh, and I'm helping. Poor Harry. Poor Harry. Poor Harry wouldn't even lift his finger to help you. You. You have your precious honesty. You want nothing else, do you? You still want him. Oh, I do not want him. I do not want to see him or hear him. But he's still a part of me, and to harm him, to... No. No, I cannot now, do it. Get on the train. No. Why? Why do we always have to quarrel? If you want to sell your services, it does not mean I am willing to be the price. I loved him. You loved him. What good have we done him? Love. Look at yourself. They have a name for faces like that. Anna didn't leave. I asked Calloway to get me on the first plane out of Vienna. This time he said I'd need a priority. He told me to come with him. He had another call to make first. You, uh, you know what this place is, don't you? Hospital. Yeah. I really didn't have to come here. I just thought it might interest you. You, uh, open that door, Mr. Martins. This is a ward. All the children you see in there are the result of Lyme's penicillin racket. Most of them had meningitis. Terrible pity, isn't it? Children. There are 40 of them in this one ward. No. no I'm wrong. 38. Two of them died last night. Well, you've got to be on our way. Your priority... You'll be going straight to New York, I suppose. Well, let's see. With any sort of connections, you should all be All right, all right, Calloway. You win. Win? Win what? I'll stay. I'll be your dumb decoy duck. Thanks, Martins. The plan was very simple. Through Kurtz, I got word to Harry that I wanted to see him. Calloway picked the spot, the Café Orel, at six o'clock. At five minutes to six... I sat down at a table in the corner, my eyes glued on the entrance for Lyme. I didn't even see her walk up. He will not come, not Harry. Oh, no. How did you know I... Kurtz told me. Kurtz, but now Kurtz has been arrested, the others too. I know. Major Galloway stopped me out there on the streets. Harry will not come. He is not a fool. He'll come. What is your price this time? Oh, no price, Anna. Please go away. Honest, sensible, harmless Holly Martins... Holly, what a silly name. You must feel very proud to be a police informer, to be able to... She stopped talking. She just stood there. Across the cafe in the doorway was Harry Lyme. Harry, get away! The police are waiting for you! Run! Run! Suddenly there was a gun in his hand. Sergeant Payne was in front of him now. Harry fired once, but he never stopped moving. He ran through the cafe into the kitchen and he's gone. Come here. Come here. 
I was out in the street now. From all sides, the police were closing in. One group was running toward a kiosk, one of those little buildings covering the entrance to the sewer. Among them was Callaway. I've got a gun. I've got Sergeant Payne's gun. Put it away and get out of here. Where can he get to? Well, the Russians only. He'll never make it. We've got men closing in from both directions. They'll kill him. That is up to Mr. Lyme. Wait at my office if you like. Just get out of here. I went back to the street. There was a taxi on the corner and I gave Anna's address. But it was the sewer I was thinking of. The sewer and the kiosk in the square across from Anna's house. <laughs> I climbed down the iron ladder and waited. Far off, I could hear the shouts of the police, and below, as I clung to the wet wall, the sluggish churning of the water. And then, then a different sound. Someone was coming closer. Closer. Stay where you are, Harry. Holly? Yes. My you're through, Harry. You haven't got a chance. I won't miss a second time, and you're in my way. Harry, give up. Give up before the... Suckers and mugs, all of you. Suckers and... This was where I came in, the cemetery, the freshly dug grave, the priest reciting the credo, the grave diggers in the background, Callaway, and Amen. Now it was over. The girl turned and started down the long road between the trees. What time is it, Martins? Hmm? Oh, oh, 2.30. Get in the jeep. I'll have to step on it if we're going to catch that plane. Calloway, can't you do something about Anna? I'll do what I can. If she'll let me. She's alone. She's, she's so alone. Well, perhaps I'll be able... Now, wait a minute. Let me out. Well, not much time, you well, know. You can't just leave, please. Oh, be sensible, Martins. I haven't got a sensible name, Calloway. We had passed her. I stood at the edge of the road and waited. What could I say to her? What could I tell her? There wasn't time to think. She was in front of me now. Anna. But Anna Schmidt did not turn her head, not even a glance. She just kept walking down the road.
In just a moment, we want you to meet our stars in person, and Mr. Keeley will tell you all about next week's show. When you see Miriam Hopkins in her current pictures, you'll realize why she's considered one of Hollywood's most fascinating and versatile stars. Always lovely to look at, she depends on Lux Toilet Soap for complexion care and for a luxurious beauty bath, too. I'm devoted to Lux in the big bath size, she says. It gives the most wonderful creamy lather, and the fragrance is delightful. Try this satin-smooth bath cake Miriam Hopkins recommends. Lux has active lather. You'll find it leaves skin so fresh. Lux lovely all over. And the perfume in Lux Toilet Soap will remind you of spring blossoms. Yes, it's easy to be Lux lovely all over with this fragrant white bath cake nine out of ten screen stars use. Now, here's Mr. Keeley with our stars. We say goodbye to the third man, but welcome our stars for another curtain call. Joseph Cotton and Evelyn Keith. Well, there's no doubt that our play tonight has one of the most famous musical themes we've ever heard. Famous like your Lux Radio Theater theme music here, Bill. Whenever I hear it, I naturally think of Lux in Hollywood. I think of Lux Soap and its wonderful complexion care. There's a theme I can't praise enough. Well, thanks, Evelyn. But when we look at you, we can understand why. But now, how about your musical preference in uh, theme songs? Mm, it's de- decidedly on the Latin side, definitely down South America way. Could this be the influence <laughs> of your trip down to South America for the film festival? Yes, and we had a wonderful time. It was held at a beautiful summer resort on the coast called Punta del Este. And every night we saw motion pictures representing every country in the world. And the award was finally won by Italy. You know, I think our audience would be interested to know that this was the first world film festival ever held in this hemisphere. And that you were invited as the guest of the Uruguayan government. Yes, and they simply couldn't do enough for us all the time we were there. And then Joan Fontaine and I went on to Rio de Janeiro. Joan Fontaine? Well, she's been doing quite a bit of uh, traveling lately, hasn't she? Such as in the Paramount picture you both made for producer Hal Wallace, Joe? Oh, that's right. September Fair. (laughs) Uh, We actually made the picture in Italy. Now, that's a beautiful country to visit, Evelyn. Oh, no need to. I saw your picture, and I don't know when I've been so impressed with with an authentic background. Well, there's nothing like travel. So where are you taking your radio audience next week, Bill? We're going back to the early 1900s, Joe, and revive some of the most captivating music of our times. It's 20th Century Fox's gay musical, Oh, You Beautiful Doll. And for the first time, the producer of the picture will be one of its stars, the inimitable Georgie Jessel. And as his co-stars, Joan Caulfield and Bob Crosby. Oh, we'll certainly be listening. Good night. Good night, Bill. Good night. You are both splendid. Who is this Hollywood star? At 15, she left a private school in Vienna to act in films. This photogenic dark-haired beauty came to America in 1937 and was starred in her first American picture. A Viennese-American beauty? Mm-hmm. That sounds like Hedy Lamar. Right. And Hedy is typical of Hollywood in her enthusiasm for new Lux with color freshener. Like so many Hollywood stars, she thinks the new Lux is more wonderful than ever, insists on it for all her lovely washables. New Lux with color freshener keeps white things dazzling white. Prints sparkling, all colors gay as new every time you wash them. 
It's a real beauty bath for colors. And so safe. Take Hedy Lamar's tip. Get new Lux with color freshener tomorrow. Give all your nice things that lovely Lux look. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Oh, You Beautiful Doll, starring George Jessel, Joan Caulfield, and Bob Crosby. This is William Keeley saying good night to you from Hollywood. Heard in our cast tonight were Ben Wright as Major Calloway, Edgar Barrier as Baron Kurtz, Ted DeCorsia as Harry, and Fritz Feld, Harold Dyron Forth, Bill Johnstone, Herbert Butterfield, Jack Crucian, Robert Boone, Norman Field, Jeffrey Silver, Gladys Holland, and Eddie Marr. Our play was adapted by S.H. Barnett, and our music was directed by Rudy Schrager. This is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear George Jessel, Joan Caulfield, and Bob Crosby in Oh, You Beautiful Doll. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Video.